that you can hear across most sports. My bad. My bad. Maybe you've seen a game of basketball on TV and you, you see that person make a bad pass and they're running them back down the court, hitting themselves on the chest, going, my bad. Or you've played a game of soccer and you let in that easy goal. Hey guys, that one was on me, my bad. In my case, it's typically when I'm playing a game of ultimate frisbee and I drop that easy pass that comes right to me. But those two words, my bad, I, I think they go beyond sports. They occur at, at school, in the workplace, when you fail to do your part on an assignment or you um, fail to meet a deadline. Anytime you mess up, anytime you do something you're not supposed to, you have to hit yourself on the chest, admit your failures, and say, my bad. Those two words, they express ownership and acknowledgement of one's mistakes. You, you beat yourself on the chest, you admit your failure, and you seek forgiveness. And in our text for today, Jesus tells us exactly what it means to take ownership for one's failures. He calls us to beat our chests in confession and recognize who we are, guilty of sin and in need of a savior. He tells us to admit that we are sinners. But he also tells us to profess that we are saints. Our lesson for today comes to us in Luke chapter 18. We begin reading at the ninth verse. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So like we read there, this is a parable. And remember, a, a parable is a story or an illustration that Jesus would tell the people to, to get his point and his message across. And the great thing is that Jesus often tells us what the things in the parable mean. So the great thing about this parable is that we don't have to try very hard to figure out what it's saying. In the very first verse, Luke tells us exactly who it's for. Luke records that Jesus told this, people, this parable to people who were confident in their own righteousness. He told it to people who looked down on everybody else. You see, the point of this parable is clear. It's clear that Jesus is trying to correct those who wrongly place themselves above other people. In the parable of Jesus, he presents this complete contrast of people, this self-righteous Pharisee and this repentant tax collector. If you recall back in the day, the, the Pharisees were teachers of the law, and they were viewed as some of the most holy and religious people of the day. And, and few people would have thought to accuse them of anything like dishonesty or immorality. 
However, tax collectors, they were despised and seen as thieves who cheated even their own people out of money. And unlike with a a Pharisee, having any association with a tax collector, even being the family member of one, was seen as disgraceful. Society clearly would have valued the Pharisee far above the tax collector. But in this parable, Jesus flips the picture and elevates the tax collector above the Pharisee. The Pharisee is clearly the person that Jesus is warning us not to be like. You see, the Pharisee is not only self-righteous, he's proud of it. He boasts in his self-righteousness. If you look at it, the Pharisee is actually self-righteous about being self-righteous. In just two verses, Jesus points out multiple issues with how the Pharisee views himself. The Pharisee, he walks into the temple to pray. He places himself where everyone can see, and he proceeds to praise himself for being better than those around him. I believe he says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You see, the Pharisee knows the tax collector's presence and intentionally points him out, probably even hoping that the tax collector can hear what he's saying. But then look to what it, uh, look what he goes on to say. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. What he's saying here is, look at me, God. Look at all the great things I do. I do so much more than everybody else. You see, Jesus, he only gives us a snippet of what the Pharisee says to get his point across. But in reality, the Pharisee probably boasted about many other things too. And Jesus warns us not to be like this Pharisee because as Christians, well, let's be honest, we can often act a lot like Pharisees. We struggle with placing ourselves above others. We can struggle with pride and with boasting because as humans, we love to compare ourselves to those around us. Whether you think you're the best or the worst, we all compare ourselves to other people. And playing the comparison game, it only leads to us looking down on others. We certainly love to compare ourselves to the people out there, the people out in the world who often aren't a part of the church, or sometimes they are, but they're part of a a different denomination or sometimes even part of our own fellowship and they just do things differently than we do here. When's the last time you just looked out at the world or, or looked in the news and just thought, what is wrong with people? When's the last time you've looked at someone and thought, can you believe what that person did? I'm sure glad I'm not like them. And the message behind that comparison is that I think I'm better than them. And what that means is that I think God should reward me for it. But although we compare ourselves to the people out there, often the people we compare ourselves the most to are the people in here, the other members at Abiding Shepherd sitting beside us in the pews. So I ask you here this morning, who here are you comparing yourself to? Who here do you think you're better than? Maybe it's not the person here today. Maybe it's that 
person who didn't make it to church? What kind of thoughts do you have about the people who don't come to church on a regular basis? Or maybe it is that person who came today, but that person who walked in a little late. You see, when people come late to church, we think they're lazy or disorganized. When people show up early, we think they're just showing off. No matter what people do, in our minds, everyone else does it the wrong way, and we always do it the right way. We think just like the Pharisees and compare ourselves to other people in order to excuse our own sins. And we can look at this parable and we can see that, yes, the Pharisee is wrong for placing himself above the tax collector. That's loud and clear to us. But you know what's a little less clear? Not everything the Pharisee says is wrong. Can you see it? It's there in, in verse, um, verse 11. What is he doing when he points out all these bad people? He's saying that the tax collector is objectively a bad person. And he's right. He is. The tax collector is a bad person. He's a sinful person just like you and me. But the tax collector knows, knows it. The tax collector not only admits his sin, but he takes full responsibility for it. He says those two words that we say time and time again when we mess up. He says, my bad. He beats his chest in sorrow and repentance. And like I said before, in the biblical times, that beating of the chest was this outward sign of true repentance. And with his beating of the chest, the tax collector admits that he's a sinner and he asks for God's mercy. He makes this request to God for God to avert his wrath away from himself and for God to forgive him and to turn his favor towards himself on behalf of God's atoning sacrifice for sin. It's very reminiscent of that confession that King David made in that first verse of the psalm, where he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. The tax collector knows he is helpless and that there's nothing he can do to earn or deserve God's love. It's only by God's mercy that his relationship with God can be restored. And Jesus tells us, that that tax collector went home justified. In verse 14, the words, I tell you, declare God's verdict. The tax collector is declared righteous before God in that moment. He is declared righteous before he even went home. He is declared righteous not because of anything he did, but by his faith in the promise of the coming Savior. Through faith, he was exalted. Through faith, he was forgiven. You see, he was exalted because of the one who is greater than his humble confession. He was exalted because of Jesus. On the cross, Jesus performed the greatest act of humility. He chose to die. Though Jesus was true God, he didn't boast about himself like the Pharisee but rather lowered himself like the tax collector. Jesus came 
and he died as the one true sacrifice for all sin. On the cross, he died for the tax collector. And on the cross, he died for you and me as well. And his resurrection is proof that his death counted for all of our sins. You see, when Jesus rose on Easter Sunday, he proved to the world that he really was who he said he was. He proved that he was not just the true man, but that he was true God. He proved that he had power over sin and death. He proved that his death had power to forgive all the sins of the world and that his death was sufficient. Jesus, the very God who humbled himself to serve you, is exalted above every other. But you, in your humble confession, will be exalted as well. When you are brought to faith through word and sacrament, when you beat your chest and trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, you are forgiven. So beat your chest and confess. Confess, Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I am sorry for my sin. Lord, have mercy upon me. Confess and know that you are forgiven by God, not because of anything that you do, but solely by the salvation that Jesus has brought you. And then, once you confess that you're a sinner, profess that you are a saint. Yes, as humans, we battle with our sinful nature each and every day, and it's a battle that we often lose time and time again. But because of Jesus, we are declared righteous before God, and we can know that we are holy in his sight, and we are declared saints. In the church, we actually have a saying for this. It's this fun Latin phrase called simul justus et peccator. It means same time saint and sinner. Yes, we are, are sinners, before, um, but because of the blood of Jesus, we can declare that we are saints. I like to think of it as, as wearing a name tag. Not a name tag on a lanyard where you can flip it back and forth, where one, one second it says sinner and the next second it says saint. No, we are sinners at all times. That's part of our identity. We don't just stop sinning when we're brought to faith. But rather, I like to think of it as, as two name tags, side by side, the ones you stick on your chest, sinner and saint. We are sinners, but we are also saints in God's eyes. We are redeemed sinners because of Jesus. And that's the truth that we need to own. So a little bit about me for a second. I am a big fan of Christian hip-hop and rap. Christian rap. You know, when I'm at other churches, it's often pretty confusing to some people. People don't usually think of those two things together, but I know here at Abiding Shepherd, Pastor A is super into that. We actually talk a lot about it. Um, but one of my favorite artists is this guy named NF. NF, those are his initials. And NF, he, he rose up in the Christian music industry, but now has broken into the mainstream music. Uh, industry, and you can actually hear his, his music on the radio sometimes today. But whether you like it or not, aside from the music, the thing that attracts a lot of people to hip-hop and rap, especially young people, 
is that it has this tendency to talk about real topics, real struggles and difficulties that people are dealing with. And NF's music is no different. And one of my favorite lines of his comes from the song called Therapy Session. And the line goes like this. He says, I ain't gun, meaning I'm not going to, that's slang. I, I ain't gun, walk on these stages in front of these people and act like I live my life perfectly. That doesn't work for me. Christian is not the definition of what perfect means. Christian is not the definition of what perfect means. I love that line, and I think it's so fitting for our text here today. We as Christians don't go walking around the world acting like we're better than everyone else like the Pharisee. We don't come marching in the church proclaiming that we're perfect. Church is not a place for perfect people. Church is a place for broken and messed up people like the tax collector. It's a place for broken and messed up people like you and me. We are Christians. We are not perfect. But praise be to God that our God is perfect. And praise be to God that our salvation doesn't come from anything that we do. Because our salvation comes from outside of us. It comes from Jesus, the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead. And by the truth of the resurrection, you can proclaim to the whole world that your sins are forgiven. You see, the resurrection is not something that we just celebrate once a year on Easter. It's something that we celebrate each and every day. It's something, it's, um, it's something that influences our entire lives as Christians. We can point to Jesus and know that we have the living hope in him. And that one day when our life on this world comes to an end, we too will rise with him and live forever in eternity. So beat your chest and proclaim that you are a beloved and redeemed child of God. You can say that, yes, I am a sinner, but Jesus is greater than all of my sin. In Jesus, he died for me. It makes me think of that verse that we read in Romans, that, that verse that St. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Beat your chest and proclaim that truth. Don't be ashamed of what others might think of you because of that truth. Let them know that you are a Christian. And by that profession, you have opportunities to share what that means to you with other people. You will have opportunities to share the good news of the gospel and the truth and love of Jesus Christ. You will have opportunities to share that truth with someone who might not know it yet. The truth that Jesus died for them too. Do you see the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector? It's a message to all Christians. Yes, we are sinners called to confession but Jesus died for our sins and because of that we are redeemed so take hold of that truth 
beat your chest and let the world know that truth. Let them know that you are a beloved and redeemed child of God. You and I, we are Christians. Amen.